Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Wow. Amazing, eh? I mean, I mean, the music was quite dramatic, but if you actually read the stats, they were also quite uh, amazing. I, I, I don't know about you, my heart kind of leaps when I, I see that God is answering our prayers. He's moving in us and through us. And it's not everything we're longing for, but uh, incredibly, in a inc- very, very difficult uh, year that we've had, We've made progress, we've made a difference, God has blessed the work of our hands. And so as you just saw, there have been over a thousand prayer meetings in this church in the last year. A thousand! That's unbelievable! I'm not sure there's another church in the country. I mean, it's not a competition, but it's encouraging, isn't it? That's doing that. That's amazing. That's incredible. So thank you to those of you who roll out day after day, uh, and pray. We are a praying church. I don't think anyone could disagree with that. And we, as a church, over the last year, have fed 5,000 families. We have, through the uh, money course uh, and one or two other things, we have been able to take, play our role in wiping £200,000 worth of debts in this last year. Two hundred grand, And uh, we have had literally hundreds on Alpha, 10 Alpha courses uh, over the year. Uh, this is amazing to me. 195 new uh, people have joined the church over the last year. Uh, it's about a 15% growth in spite of everything. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, you, you read in the papers that the church is in decline. We didn't get the memo. Uh, the, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this is one place, and there are many others like it, where you can turn up on a Sunday and go, oh, it's true. Uh, God's not insecure around atheists. You know, <laughs> His gospel still changes lives, and he is the best news ever, perhaps more so than ever before. And uh, the, the, the message that I want to share with you today, I had the privilege of sharing last week at our Aldershot and Woking uh, congregations. And uh, they, I can tell you, both planted out of here. Uh, and they were both full. They're just, you know, packed. And so it, it's just fantastic to see across the region, the church growing. And I, more than anything today, just want to say thank you. Actually, especially to you. I'm delivering this message at all the different services and congregations, but especially you, because in many ways it is this congregation here in Guildford that is uh, the, the, the mothership and has given and given and given sacrificially. And so thank you. When you see that an incredible 30,000 hours of time have been given in the last year. Uh, what that drills down is, is uh, those of you leading collectives, 
or whatever it is, Wednesday night, you're thinking, I need this like a hole in the head, but you get on and you do it. Uh, it's, it's those of you volunteering to help with the children's work and the youth work. It's those of you uh, volunteering uh, at the lighthouse. It, it, I, it just goes on and on. Thank you so much for giving your time so sacrificially. And thank you too, especially to those of you who give uh, to the church regularly, because all this stuff, it's not rocket science, it costs money. And without your regular giving, we just couldn't be making a difference in all these ways together. And, um, you know, it, it is 30% of the church that gives regularly. Less than a third of the people in Emmaus Road give regularly. And uh, we'd like to change that. We'd like to get it back up to 50%. I say back up because some of you will remember a few years ago, we managed to get it up to 50%. And then the big problem is the church grew. And when people join the church, it takes them a while to set up standing orders and all the rest of it. And so we'd like to get back up to 50%, even if it's only a five or a month, just giving regularly, saying, I've got skin in the game here. I want to be part of this. But for those of you who are giving regularly, I want you to understand how much we are depending on your giving because uh, the majority of people who come to Emmaus don't give regularly to cover the costs and we understand that if they're not Christians if they can't afford to if they're struggling we want to give them money we don't want to take their money but for those who can afford to uh, it's family and someone's got to pay to switch the lights on so um, thank you for those of you who do that and Lord Jesus we want to just at this moment in our church's life we want to pause and give you thanks we want to give you glory. This is not our doing, it is your doing. And it's certainly not for our glory, it is for your glory. We give you the glory for every life changed, for every broken heart knit together, for every child discipled. We give you glory. We give you thanks that we get to be part of what you are doing. Amen. So... Uh, if you're new around here, let me explain. Vision Sunday is one of the most important Sundays in the whole year for us as a church because it is the moment in the year when we look back, take stock, and give thanks to God. And then it's the moment where we also look ahead and we ask, Lord, what, what do you want us to do in the coming year? And together we give ourselves, our time, our money, ourselves afresh to what the Lord is saying to us. And it is on that simple kind of method that we have grown this church over the years. It's very simple. We get before God, say, what, what do you want of us? And we'll do it. And then uh, when we respond to him, guess what? He blesses it because it isn't just something that someone's come up with in a boardroom on a spreadsheet, but we're seeking to be obedient together to the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you're new here, uh, then I want to reassure you, uh, we, we're not one of those churches that always talks about money, okay? So please relax. In fact, I'm renowned for forgetting to even take up the offering. I'm always being told off for forgetting uh, that. We, we're not one of those churches. But if you are not new here, if you're part of the family, part of the community, you may not relax because I'm going to ask you for money. Uh, and, and I don't really apologize for that because there's just, you know, work that we've got to do together. And so uh, let's turn to the scriptures, and uh, Bible reading today is going to be read by Louise Yegnazar, 
And this is Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. If you are able to do so, please stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Amen. Thank you, Louise. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So each year on Vision Sunday, we have a sort of symbol, a theme. Uh, I think we've done in the past tents. Uh, we've done trees, we've done bricks. Uh, can anyone guess what our symbol is this year? <laughs> Thank you so much. Who said microphones? <laughs> yes, <laughs> typical. Our theme is indeed doors uh, this year. Uh, that is why on the leaflet that you were given on your way in, it talks about unlocking hope. That is why you have these doors on each side of me, brilliantly built by John, who I can see uh, just near the back there. Thank you, uh, John. Uh, available gun for hire, I'm quite sure. Um, and not literally, I mean, in carpentry, and you don't do assassinations. No, good. Uh, and uh, that's why the Bible verse we've just looked at talked about an open door that no one can shut. A sense as we've prayed actually over weeks and months together, we've listened to God. Uh, there's been a lot of prophetic input. Uh, different people have emailed in, come to see us. God spoke in other contexts. Um, is that we are in a quite a remarkable moment. It's incredibly challenging, cost of living and all of that. But there is extraordinary opportunity and we just don't want to miss it. Uh, and we believe that God is inviting us to step through the open door of this moment in time. We believe that this is a moment for some new hope in our lives. Who's up for that? Who's about time to? Yes. The closed doors of the last couple of years are opening. Literally, lockdown has ended, hallelujah, but also spiritually. These verses that Louise just read so beautifully are addressed to a church in Philadelphia. Don't uh, think cream cheese. Uh, this was an ancient and great city in modern-day Turkey. And uh, Philadelphia was a city that had known its share of suffering. Within living memory of this letter being written to them, they had had a devastating earthquake that had pretty much leveled the whole city. So everyone had stories of having lost property, lost buildings, and lost loved ones. On top of that, we know that the church in Philadelphia had clearly experienced persecution, 
tribulation and shame. And so God comes and speaks to them and says a beautiful thing. He says, I know that you have little strength, but you have kept my word. I find this so comforting (laughs) that God looks at us and says, I know you're weak. I know you struggle. I know you often feel you don't have it all together. I know you're exhausted. I know you sometimes ask questions. I know that you have little strength, but thank you for just being faithful to my word. It's a a beautiful thing because sometimes I think all God asks of us is we just get up in the morning and just seek to love him and just be true, be true. It's, it's, sometimes we're too exhausted and too weak to have, you know, more, faster, faster, go, go, go. He just says, I know you're weak, but thank you for being faithful to me. Um, God's open door isn't therefore just sort of for those who are kind of, you know, overachieving, adrenaline-fueled, you know, hero wannabes. In fact, those people get rather criticized elsewhere in the book of Revelation. The open door of hope and opportunity stands before people who feel weak. Isn't that encouraging? The open door is for people who feel perhaps a bit like us at the end of the time that we have had. People who don't have a lot of energy, who are worried about their kids, who are worried about the war in Ukraine or the famine in East Africa or the price of electricity or how to afford to fill the car up with petrol or global warming or Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. <laughs> Rooney V. Vardy. Isn't it typical? Like the Brits even have to compete with the Americans, but we just do a really slightly pathetic equivalent. I mean, anyway. I mean, you should worry about it. God comes to weak, worried, weary people just like us. And if you read the whole of this section of the book of Revelation, he says a succession of the most beautiful things. Firstly, Verse 8a, I know your deeds. Isn't that lovely? I know your deeds. Secondly, 8b, I've placed before you an open door. Verse 9, I have loved you. Verse 10, I will protect and preserve you. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Verse 12, I will give you a new name. I'll rebrand you. It's just like blessing after blessing after blessing upon people who feel weak. I love that phrase, I know your deeds, by the way. I love the fact that it means that God sees the choices we make as a church. God watches our look back video with its dramatic music and smiles. I know your deeds. God sees when you sacrifice time for him. Instead of staying in to watch Great British Bake Off, you're, you know, you're out at the prayer night or whatever. He sees, I know your deeds. He sees the time that you give. He sees the money that you give and he values it. He's aware of our funny little projects like Alpha and 
hubs for Ukrainian refugees and jigsaw and, and all these other things. And he says, you have kept my word. And so thus far, we've been thinking about some of the sort of statistics of you know, the numbers, some of the things that we've achieved, if you like, the quantity over the last year. But I want us to now change tack and focus on just one person whose life has been dramatically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and by God's grace through the ministry of this church over the last year. Uh, this is a testimony from someone who this morning will be worshipping in the Woking congregation because Jesus has come into his life in the last year. He's a police officer, and his name is Scott. Take a look at this. Hi, so uh, back in 2019, in August, um, I unfortunately had a motorbike accident, uh, which left me... Um, temporarily paralyzed down most of the right side of my body, mainly my arm. Um, I was left uh, sort of struggling for a while at home um, to come to terms with what had happened. Um, went on lots of, uh, of walks, um, talking to myself um, and wondering what, you know, how to deal with what had happened to me. Um, I spent a lot of time going for long walks. Um, dur during those walks, I would talk to myself and over time would feel like somebody was listening to me. Um, hard to describe, but uh, I wasn't hearing anything back, but I felt like somebody was, was listening to what I had to say. So um, wanting to explore that further, um, my, my, uh, my friend, good friend of mine that goes to Emmaus Road Woking, um, invited me along to Alpha, um, explained to me what Alpha was. I wasn't completely sure at the time. Um, so came along, asked lots of questions. Um, it was a very friendly environment. Um, Everyone was there to listen to anything I had to say, any questions, uh, no, no question was off limits. Then uh, thought it was a good time to um, start coming to church and uh, just see what church was all about. And I came along with my wife, um, who also wanted to come to church and felt like um, this was the right time to do it. Came along to church, um, got in, uh, plugged into the church family. Um, everyone was so welcoming, friendly. Uh, it, was, it wasn't what I imagined at all. Um, it was like a, a, a new family. Um, then uh, started to um, come along to Safar sessions with my friend who also invited me along to church. Um, it was a good time to have one-on-one, -on -one, sort of more intimate conversation about faith. Um, as we got, um, got deeper and deeper into uh, Safar, um, I, was, uh, I was asked sort of what was holding me back from taking that next step. And uh, the only way I could describe it was uh, I felt like I was sat in, it sat in a room, a dark room, um, and it, in front of me was a door which was ajar with light behind it. That was the only way I could describe it. And uh, that was sort of the image in my head. So I kept going to church and uh, uh, a gentleman got up to the front of the church. He said he had a vision and he had to share it with everybody. Um, that vision was, uh, was of a, a person sitting in a dark room um, staring at a door, a jar in front of him with light behind it. And that immediately resonated with me. I knew that message was for me. Um, and uh, I, I thought to myself, wow, where do I go from here? So carried on going to church and uh, there was an opportunity on uh, Easter Sunday um, to, uh, to be baptized. I thought, wow, 
could this uh, could this be for me? Is this something I should do? And uh, immediately felt like my heart was telling me, yes, do it. Um, what's the worst that can happen? Um, it, what a great opportunity to take that next step, to put all of my fears and worries and, and sin behind me and, and start afresh. Um, so my wife uh, decided to do that with me. She was really excited, wanted to do that as well. Um, came along to Easter Sunday, got uh, baptized. It was amazing, uh, hard to put into words, really. Um, I, I felt uh, reinvigorated, um, ready to start um, start a new, start a new journey um, with faith, with God, um, and uh, felt completely supported by the church family um, in doing so, and I was so excited. Um, and here I am today, today, still coming to church, um, enjoying every minute of it, um, and just excited for the future. I mean, when you watch that, don't you just think that's what it's all about? And we just long to see hundreds and hundreds of people's lives changed, don't we? The way Scott's has been changed uh, over the last year. And in many ways, his story, and it wasn't a setup, it's just amazing um, to hear how his story has unfolded, echoes the themes uh, and speaks into where we sense we are wanting to go in the coming year. Notice that the key moment in his story was that he had a vision of an open door, a jar, you know, with light coming behind it. And then he turns up at church and somebody uh, stands up and has just quite a simple picture. I see a a door, a jar, there's light behind it. Sort of thing that any of us could, you know, get a picture in our head. Shall I bother sharing it, shan't I? And he did. But of course, for Scott, that was the moment he knew God is speaking to me. And so we long to see an open door into many, many lives like Scott's over the coming year. And uh, notice how many of uh, the things that we're passionate about as this church, as a church, sort of fit into his storyline. Firstly, this it began with weakness. It began with suffering. He's half paralyzed down his right-hand side. He's in trauma. And so he's just going for walks in the woods, talking to himself. You know, there's something about uh, doors of importunity, doors that seem to be closed, that God turns into doors of opportunity. It's often when people are struggling when they're weak, when they're asking questions, that they are most open to changing the way they do life and the way they see the world. Notice, too, the importance of prayer in Scott's story. I loved the sort of non-religious language. I was just talking to myself in the woods, and I began to think, I think there's someone listening to me, and began to wonder who it was. And found out it was God. Isn't that just a brilliant kind of description of how prayer begins? This is, as you've seen, as you know, a church built on the power of prayer. We we believe that this isn't just about programs or religion. This is about the power and the presence of God. And And the only way to sort of plug into the power and the presence of God is through 
prayer. You can't work that up by clenching your buttocks and trying to make stuff happen. You can't make it happen through a spreadsheet. You have to pray it in. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. So the furnace at the heart of this church is prayer. Notice the role in Scott's story of Alpha and also of Safar. Uh, most of you will know Alpha is, a, is a, a, a context in which people can explore the claims of Christianity in a totally non-judgmental, really warm and friendly way. And millions of people have done the course. And Safar is this brilliant tool uh, that we uh, have, have learnt and received from the church in Iran that is growing so fast. Safar is uh, a Persian word that just means the journey. And uh, we now have more than 70 different Safar journeys happening in Emmaus, more than 70. And we long to see that become hundreds because that is people uh, just regularly meeting with other people, just going to the basics of discipleship. And that was the key, actually, uh, for Scott. It was in a Safar conversation he thought, I need to take the next step. And then note the importance of baptism. Baptism. We're a church that believes in uh, responding to Christ's command. You know, be baptized. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you can see that that was the defining moment for Scott. And so we want to do so many things in the coming year, but one of them is to invest into releasing Holly back into uh, helping lead and coordinate Alpha right across the region. Because we've kind of looked around and said, well, we can either just try and tick over, or we can dare to believe that there are hundreds or even thousands of people out there like Scott, walking in the woods, talking to God and wondering if God might be listening. Uh, there, are, there are many people who are weak and struggling and asking new questions, and we don't want to miss this moment or this opportunity. And we believe Alpha is the best tool, may not be perfect, but it's the best tool that we've found for taking people on a relational, uh, friendly, intelligent journey. And so what we found over the years is that when we release the right person into a role, that that whole area just kind of takes off. We saw it when God spoke to us about investing into youth years and years ago, um, uh, when we only had about sort of three or four young people. And we hired Matt Davis, and now we've got hundreds of children and young people in this church. And we saw it with worship back when I think Pete Burton was about the only person who could sort of play a half-decent instrument. And so we said, well, you better be our worship leader then. And now we have, I'm told, more than 90 musicians on the worship roster. We did it with prayer when we brought Jill Weber in from Canada. And now, well, over a 1,000 prayer meetings last year. You see, when you put the right person in place, they don't do the job for everyone, but they raise the sea level by facilitating others. And we sense that we need that for Alpha. So, And Holly back, well, you know Holly and Robbie, basically they got saved on Alpha. Uh, and if you've ever been in a room with Holly, you know it's like being in a room with a, a fire hydrant that's turned on. It's absolutely wonderful and exhilarating and exhausting at the same time. Her hair is on fire with the gospel of Jesus. And we just want to say, do you know what? Uh, just spend your time on this and help us to grow in evangelism. There is extraordinary evidence that there is a new spiritual hunger in our nation at this time, an open door before us. 
Clearly, there is enormous material need, and that's going to get worse. But there is also enormous spiritual need. Jesus puts it like this in John 4, 35. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Stephen Timms, who's a wonderful MP, says this. He said, there is a new openness in central government to partner with churches thanks to the way that we have responded in the pandemic. Mark Sayer, who's a, a brilliant thinker, a futurologist based in Melbourne, Australia. He'll be with us at Wildfires in a few weeks' time. He's such a sharp guy. You may know him from the Rebuilders podcast. But he, he analyzes global trends. And he, his thesis is that we are increasingly in what he calls a post-secular age, a post-secular age. Some of you, if you uh, read the Times newspaper, would have seen in yesterday's Times an article, a feature about a new Christian app called Glorify, um, uh, set up by a friend of ours, uh, Henry Costa. It has grown in two years. It now has two and a half million users. Its backers include Kim Kardashian, Michael Bublé, and James Corden. And in the interview, Henry says this, my generation used to be the ABC generation, anything but Christian. You could be into anything religiously or philosophically as long as it wasn't Christian. It was the ABC generation. But he said, we began analyzing the metadata and the micro signals. And what we discovered is actually in the culture, things are shifting. A lot more people are now wishing to talk, are willing to talk about their faith. And a lot more people are returning to faith. There's lots of evidence all around us, whether you listen to Scott's story or whether you read yesterday's Times or listen to Stephen Tim's MP or Mark Sayer's projections that, that there is a new openness all around us. And so this is not a time for us to circle the wagons and to keep our heads down and to ride out the storm. I believe we are standing before an open door of generational significance. And I'm old enough now to know these things don't come along all the time. But when they do, it's like surfing. When that wave comes, paddle like crazy to catch it. And I just sense that that is the moment that we are in. It's interesting, the church in Philadelphia was known as a gateway city. So there's a little bit of a pun here, as God says, I, I, I placed before you an open door. Philadelphia had been built on a motorway, effectively, like a, a really strategic route uh, through the Roman Empire. It was, uh, when this passage is written, it was the heyday of the Pax Romana, the, the, the peace that was prevailing through the Roman Empire that facilitated unprecedented freedom to travel and to preach. And the Greek language had risen to ascendancy. It's why our New Testaments are written in Greek and not Hebrew. And so there was an ease of communication. Everyone spoke the same language. And what have the Romans ever done for us? They'd built the most amazing network of roads, which meant there was unprecedented ease of travel. 
This was a moment missionally of extraordinary opportunity. And so God says to this gateway city, you've got an open door in front of you. You'd better step through it. I believe that we are in a similar place and time. And so in the coming year, you know, we're being uh, uh, prudent, I believe, because we are incredibly aware of the cost of living crisis and the prospect of inflation. And so we are sobered by that. But we also don't want to be so sensible that we miss the opportunity of the moment. Who here knows that if you ever costed up what kids would cost you, you'd never have them. But sometimes you just do the right thing and you work it out later. And we sense that. We're not being rash. Our board of trustees are brilliant. There's a clear discernment. But... Uh, we sense opportunity. And I, I've talked about redeploying Holly back. Another thing is you saw Naomi up doing actions on the stage. She's done the most brilliant job, Naomi Weeks, with our children's work. But her real heart is youth work. So we're going to move her into youth work. And it means we need to release one and a half new children's workers, as in one and a half jobs, not obviously. Uh, that means we, we need to bring on a full-time children's worker for your children. Uh, unless you want to just do it yourselves, uh, if you'd like that, you need to give, because otherwise we can't do it. Uh, for, I can't say that in the other congregations, because they're helping give towards your children's worker. But now I'm standing in front of Guildford, it's your children's worker, as in a worker for your children. Have I made that clear? Uh, but we also, in fairness, uh, want to release a part-time, a children's, part-time children's worker into all the shot congregation. I can't believe I'm saying what I'm about to say to you, because... You know, they were sort of planted in lockdown. They only just started having public meetings a little while ago. But they already have 30 children on a Sunday in Aldershot. And they've launched a mums and toddlers group. Their very first week, I think it was last week, had 28 little nippers along to it. And it's only going to grow. So if you can just visualize, some of you mums know what it's like doing one children's party. It's like that again and again and again and again. We need help. And so uh, we want to release people into this. Uh, you all know as well, again, this is a Guildford thing. The, the, we're just so excited about Bill, who has been the brilliant pastor of this congregation for years, stepping into this new regional role as director of pastoral care, with Adam and Hannah stepping in to lead this congregation from next Sunday. Is it 22nd? So Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, obviously, we need to release that role. And, and, and that is because we're now at a size as a church where, sadly, there are many tragedies that we, have to, we need to care for people in, in crises, hospital visits, uh, funerals. Uh, wonderfully, there are lots of weddings. And then there's just developing the pastoral care. What's the point of us growing? And lots of people like Scott getting saved if we don't love and care and heal. And so we want to invest into the culture of pastoral care. These things just cost. And then perhaps more prosaically, but incredibly importantly, guys, we've just got to keep up with the pace of inflation. Bluntly, I mean, Sam and I were doing this this morning. We were looking at our giving and saying, well, the Chancellor says it'll be between you know, 7% inflation this year. That means if we, we need to try and put up our giving by 7% just to be staying the same. And obviously, our staff team 
who are brilliant. You know many of them. They're just brilliant people. None of them are in it for the money. Some of them have taken massive pay cuts to come and work for Emmaus. Uh, and they're part of this, and we, need to, we probably won't be able to put their pay up by 7 10% to keep pace with in- inflation. We've got to at least try and put them up by, say, 5%, so they're not even worse off. So, listen, I don't want to put pressure on anyone who's saying, I'm not coping. If you're struggling financially, we want to help you. Come and see Bill afterwards, and we want to try and help you out. But if you're in a position where you say, I think... I could give a bit more. Or maybe you're in a position, because some people are doing quite well right now financially, you're thinking, God's blessed me, I could give a fair bit more. We really need that. Because the other alternative is we will have to dumb down, back off, and miss this open door. And so um, we're just going to, uh, in a moment, respond. No matter what you are able to give, um, thank you. Thank you. Remember, Jesus told a parable explicitly. Remember the story of the, the widow's might. It's not how much you give, but the heart with which you give it. And so uh, there are really um, three ways that you can respond to this, uh, th- this message today. And the first is this. If you don't give regularly to the church, it really, really helps us if you can set up a standing order uh, because we can budget on it, we can plan on it, and we can actually get gift aid back as well, of course, if you're a taxpayer, which makes your gift go up dramatically. And so um, with 70% of the the church not giving by standing order, um, please, we'd love to at least get up to 50%. And so uh, if that's you, uh, listen, if you're able to, we would really, really, really appreciate you setting up a standing order, even if it's only for a few quid. Uh, you know, um, I, I read an analysis of the, the, the multimillionaire biggest Christian philanthropists in the UK, and there was a profile on them. These people give millions to God's work. And, do you know, there was a common theme. Every single one of them started giving sacrificially before they could afford to do it, when they were kids and through student years. They were giving then. Long before they could write the big checks, they were just giving. And so you don't wait until, you know, well, once it's easy to give, it won't mean so much to God. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't set up a standing order, today is a good day to do that. Secondly, those of you who already do give by standing order, I've already thanked you, you 30%. Thank you. You are what is making all the stuff you saw in that video possible. But uh, please, please, could you review your giving? If you're not able to put it up, I understand. But if you can, and um, we're looking at 7 to 10% inflation, if you're able to at least put it up by that much, that will just enable us to stay the same. If you're able to put it up by more than that, then that will be helping to offset those who are really struggling, and increasingly so through this year. And thirdly, um, because Alan, our um, COO, has told me that, to tell you this in no uncertain terms, we really do still need some big one-off gifts. So if you're in a position uh, to, to, to give a gift, large or small, 
we really do need that as well. So uh, setting up standing orders is the main thing. If you're not doing that, if you are, can you review it? And if you're in a position to do a big gift, it all goes towards us stepping through this open door, responding to the material and spiritual opportunities of the moment. And I do want to say this as well, because I know some of you are cash poor, but time rich. We desperately need more volunteers. Particularly, we've got a money management and life skills course that's uh, taking place at Founders uh, and at Millmead. Uh, and we need people to help with that. If you're ever free on a Friday morning, uh, we need volunteers for our Ukrainian refugee hub, which is taking place at the Open Grounds Cafe. So that's Friday mornings. We also need volunteer lots of volunteers on the 9th of July, which will come very quickly, uh, because it's one of the highlights of our year, our back-to-school event at Founders, where just lots of kids will come in and get kitted out with all that they're going to need next year, and we just need lots of people uh, for that on the 9th of July. So uh, I know that we can all give money or time, some of us maybe even both. In summary... God has placed before us an open door. And I know we've kind of got it wrong. Has anyone else been thinking those doors are meant to be open, not shut? We'll open them. I wondered about sneaking up and doing it, and I thought they might fall over. But I don't think they, they won't fall over, will they, John? No. Great. Very confident. Um, they will open in a moment. We long to see what's happened in Scott's life happen in hundreds of other lives this year. And, of course... Everything we're longing to do is going to cost money. I want to invite you to step through this door of opportunity. And as you do so, in a moment, we're literally going to invite you. Bill will lead us through this moment. We'll have a bit of time for reflection. Uh, and just for you to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? He might tell you to give less. Uh, uh, that's always nice. Uh, but uh, do what the Lord tells you to do. And then um, we, we, we're actually we're going to invite you all to step through one or other door to bring your offering. Normally we don't do it like this, but Vision Sunday, there's such a sense of bringing your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And so sneakily behind each door, there is a receptacle awaiting you. And the thing I, I would want to say is as you step through the door, can I ask you to also just be mindful what is it in your life that you're looking for an open door this year for a, a new hope a new sense of opportunity and so this can be a prophetic moment as you come up the front to bring your offering your offering is going to help unlock hope in many many lives but as you step through the door holding that envelope what is the hope that you need, the open door you need in your life. So make this a moment of prayer as well as of giving.